Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, which you can still download for free by logging on to www.clnsradio.com LHRbook. Welcome on in to another edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, or belated Mother's Day whenever you are listening to this. Mother's Day, actually a noted day. In Celtics history, the Mother's Day Massacre, Game 1 of the Conference Finals against Philadelphia back in 1982. Unfortunately, as we know, that series went downhill mostly from there. Certainly, we do not strive for that. Forward, always forward. Great show ahead. Sean Granny will be our guest today a little later on. But right now, this is Larry H. Russell. This is Celtics Beat being brought to you today by Audible. In the home of online video tutorials, alinda.com, sign up for your free 10-day trial to advance your intellectual capacity and help further your quest at achieving your inner greatness by signing up at www.lynda.com slash CLNS. Achieving that greatness, for many, a long process does not happen overnight. Generally, a more well-thought-out, deliberate process, which requires much planning ahead for years in advance, just as Danny Age and the Celtics have been doing as they began this quest to regain an extended time frame of excellence coming up on about two years now. It's going to be this summer in around June where they sort of broke everything down and sort of got rolling with this. Because remember, it was pretty much that draft night back in 2013 that got everything rolling. And who would have ever expected that just a year and a half in with they'd be making substantial strides, even be back in the postseason winning 40 games this past season. And now at about the two-year mark, we're already talking about next year being a team that should take giant strides forward no matter what. And even this summer, being that summer where some transformative transactions could take place, we're definitely going to talk about Sean Grandy with that and, of course, many other subjects, including this past season. And I guess we'll be getting that right. Well, while the playoffs may still be going on, and oh, what a postseason has been, while the playoffs are still going on over on TNT and the ESPN networks, it's the offseason for the Boston Celtics, and there's already been plenty of chatter or is it mud against the wall 
whatnot. We're already hearing the names, as stated. Got Sean Grandy coming up soon to talk about it. But we may as well get a head start at right now. Obviously, we expected this. In fact, whatever name that comes forth out of all the important boomer mill, <laughs> none of those names should surprise anyone as well as, A, you know, God forbid some media members may be angling for interest in their material. But B, yes, the Boston Celtics will turn over every rock, open every chest for all opportunities they can get to improve the roster, largely because of the OGs, you know, the budget surplus that Danny Ainge has produced for the Celtics organization. It's kind of amusing, too. You see Bill Simmons of Grantland. Yeah, that Bill Simmons with these president-elect references to Brad Stevens. Wouldn't with this situation the country is in haven't had a competent man who could balance a budget sheet and focus on the future and building up a rainy day fund since Eisenhower. Wouldn't Ainge be the man, Simmons, or we, for that matter, would want in the Oval Office, but I guess he's quote-unquote stuck. Oh, how unfortunate he's stuck in the offices at Causeway Street, amassing good fortunes for the Celtics, and safe to say some of the media have taken advantage of that, but no complaints here either. Gives us a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to here on Celtics Beat as we get ready for what we all assume is going to be a very frantic summer. So let's start with the names already, shall we? Mark Stein, highly respected NBA insider who provides his work for ESPN and ESPN.com, dropped a semi-bombshell, and I say semi because it's a name many Celtics fans have fantasized, for lack of a better word, fantasized for quite some time now, and a name that makes a lot of sense, not just for the Celtics, but for any team. Ah, Marcus Cousins, one of the best players in the league and the all-star senator for the Sacramento Kings. It's been linked to the Celtics in years past, whether possible links were legitimate or not. But we'll be fair here. These rumors did not come from the dark corners of the internet. Mark Stein is, as I stated, one of the most highly respected members of the basketball media. And he clearly stated that he expects the Boston Celtics to have interest. As we've talked about it on recent shows, had Gary Tangway on here a little over a month ago. Cousins was one of the names we dropped and had some fun chatting about on whether he'd be a guy worth pursuing if you're the Boston Celtics. And in the spirit of the enjoyment of the show, well, let's pretend we are. Let's touched upon it briefly with Gary of Comcast Sportsnet. Obviously, there was a season going on back then. We talked about it, a playoff push for that matter. But here's, he's an interesting name to talk about largely because he is so polarizing. And polarizing certainly not for his skill. As stated, he's one of the best players in the league. He's the best big man in the game, not named Anthony Davis, 24 years of age, established himself as one of, as an elite defensive player this past season. And then, of course, his offensive capabilities, as we know, certainly from his two games against the Celtics this season, for that matter. Even in the game he got ejected uh, with that scuff of Marcus Smart, he's beyond elite, to say the least. This past season, he was ninth in the NBA in PER. I mean, I can go on and on and on. We pretty much know what he can do skill-wise, but there's the abstract, the intangibles, it, whatever it is. Some people question it. It's a complete turnoff for the other folks. I know that's what scared Gary, and of course, those fears are still there. Heck, the reason why there's even a sliver of discussion regarding him being on the trade market or being being someone that any team could pursue for that matter, a sliver of discussion is because of certain issues he has had or may have had. We don't entirely know the details, but his name is on the market as good as he is. And well, to say so indirectly, he's played for a lot of head coaches in his career and not retreads or no names. Okay, well, Paul Westfall maybe, but to say a guy like a George Carl isn't respected and his word shouldn't be adhered to makes little sense. But hey, lest we forget, there was one time when George Carl could absolutely not communicate with a player whatsoever that he was coaching, a superstar. Would it have been right to write that player off then? 
That player, that was Paul Pierce after the 2002 World Games. That disastrous sixth-place finish for Team USA really obviously changed everything in terms of how they built their international teams. That's a story for another day. But obviously, Carl had his issue with Paul Pierce then. Whether he's having quote-unquote problems with Cousins, it's not really entirely out there. There's no really definitive concrete proof. But even from Cousins, most of his stuff, for that matter, was earlier in his career. To say that because he may or not may or may not have had issues with coaches really isn't a sufficient enough reason or reasons. In my opinion, he's the kind of guy who would be a transformative, game-changing piece for this organization. And for one, yes, I have enough faith in Brad Stevens that he can rectify any bumpy spots in DeMarcus Cousins' persona. If it is that bad, because even from what I saw last year, he's got the Rasheed Wallace syndrome. He's a bit of a hothead. He's liable to lose control of his emotions from time to time. He can pick up a bad technical or two. And yes, that could drive one crazy, but at least they are emotions based on competitive spirit. It isn't like he's a carefree blowhard full of hot air or whatever the common perception the average American has of your typical NBA player. And I'm going to be touching upon that later in the show, and even with Sean for that matter. But in my opinion, first off, there is no gamble regarding Cousins. I mean, whatever issues that DeMarcus may have, if he is obtainable for the Boston Celtics, or whether the Celtics would have to work out a three-way deal for Sacramento to get the talent that could help them now or whatever because they may not want draft choices. If he is someone the Celtics could get, and as Mark Stein stated over at ESPN.com, that the Celtics would quote-unquote open the bank or treasure chest, whatever, I mean, do it. We talk about the needs the Celtics have, and right off the bat, people say, oh, a rim protector, which is a term I hate, whatever. So let's call it interior defense, size first and foremost, or a wing scorer, whatever. But really, any form of a top-level talent would suffice. Worry about that stuff later. There's an opportunity to add one of the best players in the league at 24 years of age. And the only downside is are the occasional outbursts and technical fouls on the court. Uh, it's just a slam dunk. You just do it. So, DeMarcus Cousins would fill so many holes. As stated, people now don't understand he is one of the best defensive centers in the league. Made huge strides last year in that department or this past season. He's made improvements in his game every single season, which shows the kind of worker he is and the kind of commitment he has to this craft and that he's willing to forego frustration and hone weaknesses in his game. I mean, he came in the league, I don't want to say he couldn't make a free throw, but he was a poor free throw shooter. This past season, 78% from the line. He's been north of 45% shooting in general since his second year in the league. And then, of course, how dominant he is overall. I mean, 24 years old, his addition essentially is nearly the equivalent of the Lakers adding Shaq in the summer of 1996. It really would. He may not be that good, but it's closer than people think. I hate to be the kind of guy that just rips off numbers, but to say they do speak for themselves, I mean, that's really the case. It's not just all fluff here. They've gone up across the board on a year-by-year basis. And last year, 24 points, 12.5 rebounds, an astronomical 25 PER. I mean, this is it. He's that superstar that fans clamor about how the Celtics need a star, yada, yada, yada. Well, there he is. Can the Celtics get him? Well, we'll see. We'll see how interested they are. Likely this is a summer, but more importantly, how interested the Sacramento Kings are. It's going to be awfully interesting. And you know, he won't be the only name. He'll be one of many. There's just so much to talk about, right? I mean, we're just getting started here, too. And just wait when there's even some Kevin Durant discussion, maybe even Derek Rose talk when the season ends. And then, God forbid, dare we say it, 
a year from now, more accurately, Anthony Davis talk as it's beginning to sound like it's a matter of time before he vents his frustrations as word is beginning to leak out. He does not like how that organization has been run, even despite the playoff appearance. Although it's going to be awfully tricky. Kind of reminds me of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love's frustrations with the Cavs and Wolves, respectively. However, young players walking away from their first big contract. It's just virtually impossible because these teams have these younger players just under their control. They'd have to just wait for a long, long time and they'd be taking a big risk passing up on that kind of money. That's why you saw Kevin Love sign that contract extension with the Wolves and then like two months under the extension uh, speak to Adrian Rojnarowski venting his frustration at the Wolves all but demanding a trade. Do not be surprised if you see something like that with Anthony Davis. He could very well sign a max contract extension with the Pelicans. And then sure enough, he may begin angling for a trade because as I stated, it seems to be a little, you know, not, they're not, not too happy down there, possibly in New Orleans. And God forbid, if ever that comes up, you know how excited Celtics fans would be even just thinking of the possibility, or any team for that matter, right? I mean, he's the best player in the league at 21 years old. But all that talk, every star, every superstar is going to be attached to the Celtics, largely because of the work Danny Ainge has done here, particularly over these last 22 months, stuffing that treasure chest and how attractive this situation has become for other players around the league, the situation here for the Boston Celtics. Fans, they can have a lot of fun with the trade machines and all the names that may hit the rumor mill, the big names that can change the fortunes of teams, you know, God forbid. You know, like the players that we did just mention, talking about DeMarcus Cousins, Davis, Durant, Rose, or whoever will even be discussed this summer. But there's also a lot of other options this summer as well for the Celts. A lot of players who can help this team going forward, both on the court as well as the flexibility of the roster situation. Even if the Celtics do not sign a massive name this summer or make a key trade or trades. Even if they make some necessary steps forward and add to their talent pool this summer that can only help down the line as well. So fans, particularly the casual fans who do have less of an understanding. Sorry, sorry for that cheap shot. If the Celtics maybe signed a B-level free agent or made a key, you know, some smaller moves, and that may not qualm fans craving for a superstar talent or talents, well, that may help down the line as well because those players, too, they can always be moved. Remember, word is with Sacramento, they want some proven talent in return for DeMarcus Cousins. They do not want just draft choices. At least that is what has been getting out there, and that's... And it looks like the way for the Celtics, if they were to ever acquire Cousins, if it is any possibility at all, it's looking more like a three-way trade. But whatever. They want some proven talent in return for Cousins. And you saw that last year with Kevin Love as well with Minnesota. It's just, they just weren't at all interested. At least that was the word. They weren't as interested. It was just the picks and some of that you know, less than completely proven young guys. They wanted some pieces. Flip soldered wanted pieces that could help right away. Boston did not have that then, and while they are improved in that department as opposed to this time last year, the Celtics are not quite there yet. That's really going to be the challenge for Danny Ainge and this management group this summer is just enhancing the talent level on this team. I mean, if there's a game changer or two, great, but any improvements is going to be the call. 
Obviously, they can be very finicky with how they can be and also be very patient, but anything that is advantageous, such as like an Isaiah Thomas-like acquisition, you hope this organization, and we're, we are very confident that they will, you hope they'll jump on that to not only keep the momentum from last season going and have another fun, successful, enjoyable season in 2016 that could re- result in some more interesting and intriguing basketball contests like we had this past season. And hopefully even more of those, but to just create a better situation for the franchise that will enable them to be in a better position to acquire some key players down the line as well. You know you go back to that rebuild from 2003 to 2007. That was the case then. The organization made a lot of moves that incrementally improved what they had before, and it was bam, all in. They got the haul that they did in that infamous summer of 07. Even so, it just enables them to be more flexible regardless. They can still feel the competitive team, a team that, hey, maybe can be like in Atlanta and God forbid, and dare we say it, contend for a championship and even build the organization from within, yet still always be in that position where the roster is flexible and attractive enough where they could pounce on an opportunity or opportunities if it arises. So this is obviously a big summer for the Celtics to do that, and we all know it. Summer 2015 is something that has been pegged by fans, NBA insiders, any media people in general. That has, it's been talked about for the last 22 months or, or so, largely because that's when a lot of the salary was to clear out and more and more of these draft choices were coming in. And that was with the, without that stunning run to the NBA's postseason this past year for the Celtics. But now, it's here. It's it's the calm before the storm, but there's already some inklings or, or rumblings or, of thunder off in the distance for that matter. It's being dropped out there. We're going to take a quick commercial break now and pick this discussion up with radio play-by-play voice of the Boston Celtics, Sean Grandy. Also talk just a teeny bit about this past season as well. we got to finish it up. Just maybe one more final thought. Sean Grandy, he of 98.5 FM, the sports hub here in Boston, after these messages. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash clns this is larry h russell back here again and let me tell you a little something about me i'm always reading a book or three be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience such as daniel Kamen's thinking fast and slow or even a philosophical masterpiece like plato's republic i'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as i can about the world we live in and we can't do that without literature but not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the roman empire with them But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever. 
be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Back into Celtics beat, Livius Horatius Rosilius here, my fantasy Latin name, more commonly known as Larry H. Russell. Mentioning my fantasy name because our guest, the radio play-by-play announcer for the Boston Celtics at 98.5 FM, the Sports Hub, Sean Grandy. He is being brought to you by the best way and most importantly, potentially the most lucrative way to play fantasy sports online, DraftKings. And with Major League Baseball now a month into the season, DraftKings, the official Daily Fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily Fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant casts, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge casts every single day at DraftKings? It's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players. Stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just playing Fantasy Baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans, just like you, have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. So hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code New England to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code New England. That's New England for free fantasy entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's Draft. Kings.com. Okay, let's bring him in. Sean Grandy, longtime play-by-play voice on radio for the Boston Celtics, now for 98.5, the Sports Hub. Sean, I touched upon this last week with Jay. Might as well finally have this chance now to wrap up the season as I briefly, let's briefly touch upon this season. I really point to that four days the team spent in Los Angeles after the Clippers game on Martin Luther King Day. I don't know if there was any bonding experience there because that seemed to me like that was clearly a turning point do you have any details into what happened you know during on that west coast trip well i think that it was a schedule where there was very little time to do that and when you look after the fact you realize <laughs> there was no time whatsoever I'm, the only reason i chuckle a little bit i think all that stuff helps and i think it was a good time for that group to be together the thing is uh, that group included you know tayshaun prince and marcus thornton so uh, you know they they were all bonding and then a couple of weeks later people were gone but uh, i think there were a lot of things i think it was a group that naturally you know came together and enjoyed playing games and enjoyed playing for brad stevens i think that it was a team that it was almost to their advantage that they were a new team in that last 25 games of the year because, as you saw, the difference, not just you, you were playing a great team in Cleveland, a team that's probably going to be in the finals, but you were playing a team that was preparing for you every single day for a week and a half versus you had a brand-new team and you were going into Utah for the fourth game in five nights, for example, and that was a lot harder to prepare for than the Cleveland Cavaliers had it in knowing they were going to face the Celtics and having every day for 12 or 13 days to prepare for them. But I think it was a group, you know, with the four days in LA good. Yeah, they absolutely were. But I do think it was a group that enjoyed just playing together. Yeah. That's just sort of where I wanted to almost wrap that up. We can now almost officially 
end the season because it has been a few weeks to the end of the season. But I have pointed to that Los Angeles trip, almost like the Rome trip for you know the 2018 for the Celtics, obviously, with a far less results. But it seemed like there was a lot there, and obviously the Celtics are going away next season. We'll see what happens there. But obviously now it's this is here, finally the summer of 2015. It's really been a summer that's been talked about for the last two years. It's here, and a lot of people thought how much would you know the improvement would you know change the complexion of rebuilding the team. We had this as our reach question of the week on this show last week. And how much do you believe that the sort of the rapid improvement during this season changed the whole complexion, if you will, of rebuilding this roster? Is there now more of a sense of urgency to fill the deficiencies, or does this organization still want to capitalize on the value of whatever's out there? I don't think it, it fuels anything other than fans' expectations, and that's one of the things we're going to be this – is, if this is the first sentence and the first statement of 2015-16, my sentence is going to be about tempering expectations because when you win 40 games and when you go 24-12, and 12, now everything becomes concrete and your natural expectations, well, they went 24-12, and 12, what if they could do that over an entire season, which are – outrageously high expectations for a group that's still sort of new together and still, as we saw in the playoff series, has a lot of deficiencies. So I think there's going to be fan interest and fan urgency to get better. I'm not sure how realistic the big jump is for next year because while every summer is going to give Danny Ainge with all that boatload of draft picks and assets that he has an opportunity to swing for the fences, I really think 2016 is more of a big-time target summer than 2015. I think the Celtics will be outrageously aggressive. I think they will pursue every big name that you close your eyes and have a dream about wearing a Celtic uniform. I think the Celtics are going to be in on many of those. I just think the oversimplification version is this is a restricted free agent next year, and next year is the real free agent year. So I think the Celtics will be aggressive and chase the Jimmy Butlers and the Kawhi Leonards and the big-time names that you would love to have. I just don't think it's a year they're going to get them because it's, they're all restricted free agents. Yeah, I, that's, you brought up a great point about the expectations I touched upon on last week's show as well. I remember that first year Rick Pitino had in Boston yep. with the team won 36, and everyone was like, oh, wow, you know, I mean, he jumped, yep. you know, 20 wins, and, you know, next year, and then all of a sudden it just sort of flatlined from there on in, and that's where everything sort of came undone. But I want to obviously talk about free agents this year. I know a lot of people, you know, say, like, oh, the Celtics have to sign a max free agent this year, or they have to get a big time guy. Do you really sense that type of urgency as well, or do you think, you know, hey, it's, you know, maybe pursue the guys, but if, if, if there's no value out there, it's okay to roll everything over to next season? No, I, I think the, the, you know, the best big-time player that I, I don't believe, I believe the Celtics have a guy targeted. I think fans have a guy targeted with some, I think there's some trepidation about the guy, but it's not a free agent. It's DeMarcus Cousins. I just don't see how it you know, I think DeMarcus Cousins in Boston might be the perfect fit in a lot of ways. It's exactly what you need, and it is a next-level player, a next-level talent, depending on where you fall on him and his ability to sort of to sort of hold it together. But how realistic is it that the Celtics can put together a package for DeMarcus Cousins? I mean, I think you know Danny will use up all his uh, any time minutes. You know, he'll put you know Zizek Ranadavi on his friends and family plan. So he doesn't go, you know, doesn't get the overage charges with those minutes, and he'll continue to try. But I think those possibilities exist, and I think in most cities you say, well, let's get DeMarcus Cousins, and it's completely unrealistic because you don't have the assets. At least in Boston, when we have pipe dreams about star players coming here, there's you can say, hey, at least there are the assets in Boston. Boston's one of the two or three teams that could actually pull off something like that. 
Yeah, I was actually just spent, you know, my opening monologue on the show talking about DeMarcus Cousins. And we're actually now literally at the point as well where, you know, almost every single name that sort of is, if there's any inkling at all they're on the trade market, you're immediately just going to be attaching the name to the Celtics. I mean, I've already heard, you know, rumors that, quote-unquote, Anthony Davis may not be, you know, the happiest man down there in New Orleans. And God forbid, as soon as that really reaches the media, that's going to, you know, create a whole new world storm in its own. But one thing I do want to sort of point out possibly about free agency this year and maybe the value of pursuing some of these restricted free agents. Let's say let's throw a name out there like a Greg Monroe. And we know Danny Ainge has a great relationship with Greg's agent, David Falk. And, you know, if let's say the Celtics signed Greg Monroe, who was, a, who was a very good player. He wouldn't maybe exactly, you know, for the casual fan say, wow, now I got to get season tickets to the Celtics. But I really don't exactly look at it that way. I look at maybe, you know, the possibility of the Celtics signing you know, a Monroe or a Middleton or, you know, someone in that, you know, caliber as someone the Celtics could lock up. And we're talking always about assets and draft picks and whatnot. That in turn becomes an asset in itself to possibly pursue a greater player down the road. Am I not correct? You are. And actually, I love Chris Middleton. I'm glad you brought that name up. But what I would say to that statement, if fans, well, it doesn't really get fans excited. Let me ask you this. Did getting Isaiah Thomas get fans excited? Did trading Rajon Rondo for Jay Crowder get fans excited? And yet, look how that worked out. So I think not only, you know, Danny earned himself with draft picks he's made and the where he's selected in the draft and winning a championship. Danny earned a lot of faith. He earned himself a lot of rope. Brad Stevens is starting to earn that in that now fans are, I think, with a more open mind, like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't flip my socks or whatever that old expression was, but maybe, you know, look at what Brad Stevens can do. And Brad Stevens has become, you know, with the, I said this over and over again during the year, that he was the MVP of the team this year, and it was more about what you believe is possible and do players, you know, the age-old question, do players want to play in Boston? And I think Brad Stevens is a big part of the reason you know, why they would, but the, you know, the, the, I, I would say Jay Crowder, I, Jay Crowder is a great answer to really any question. If somebody stops me on the street or a fan asks me about the team or whatever, Jay Crowder is a pretty safe answer to no matter what question you're going to get, because it was a great, you know, it, it, what I told my, you know, my good friend, Bill Simmons the other day, the next time you're out of ideas for a 30 for 30, here's one. What if I told you the Celtics would trade Rajon Rondo for Jay Crowder and get better? So, you know, I, you have to. I think fans are becoming more educated, and are, it's an educated Boston basketball city anyway. To the fact that, well, all right, maybe Greg Monroe isn't Anthony Davis, but how does he fit in this group? And how is he, you know, wins over a replacement player? How is he more valuable than what you were able to put out there before? And you were also mentioning historical examples regarding the Celtics as well, or recent historical examples. I'll even point out to the fact, how, how excited were the Phoenix Suns when they signed Steve Nash in free agency 10 years ago? Yeah. How excited were the Indiana Pacers when they signed David West or the Atlanta Hawks when they signed Paul Millsap? You're right. I mean, it is about finding that good piece. At, at worst, what are you doing? You're spending money. It isn't like, you know, not our money. Well, I guess if you are paying for the season tickets. But I mean, at worst you are, you're spending money, but you're not really surrendering any of the assets. You're getting a piece. You're making your team better. So if they do in a way, hit on free agency this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence where I think that they will. It's just sort of inkling they have. I just don't think that it might be something that may get the casual fan excited. And I think that's too bad. And another thing that I, you also mentioned about players playing in Boston, too, a lot of casual fans and even the media in general seems to scoff whenever you bring up the legacy of the Celtics as, as a sell point of the organization. However, I point really more so towards the brand of the Celtics and 
players are very intrigued by brands. I mean, you look at jersey sales, larger market being on television, playing in front of a sold-out crowd virtually every single night. I think the legacy becomes more important when players actually get here and experience the historical you know, significance of the Celtics. But isn't the brand of Boston basketball a pretty you know, important sell point in its own? I think, it, it, I think branding in general, I think it's a bigger point that's a good one about branding. Here's how I answer that question. We can sit here and wax romantically about the parquet floor and Bill Russell and John Havlicek. To me, to players now, to the next great Celtic, it isn't about that. It's about Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Doc Rivers. And this struck home a couple of weeks ago. I was doing the Frozen Four that I go back and I do every year. And I had one of these sort of moments of revelation when I'm talking to some of these kids who come from, you know, college hockey is different now. The kids who come from California and Texas and all over. And you ask them, how did you first, you know, become a fan of college hockey? When did you realize you wanted to play it? And they'll say, well, it was this classic game that I remember watching. And in my mind, I'm thinking back like to classic games in the 80s and like, what game are they talking about? And they're talking about 2009. When there was this, you know, famous overtime game with BU and Miami, Ohio, and it kind of that's this moment of revelation, like the scope of history for younger players. And the next great Celtic right now could be what, twenty-two years old, twenty years old, maybe. So when if let's say the next great Celtic is twenty right now or twenty-one, that means that they were twelve or thirteen when the new big three came together. So this isn't about John Havlicek and Bill Russell anymore. And to me, I've said a million times, the most important part of not this past season but the season before was the night that Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and the night Doc Rivers came back. Because what I do believe about Boston is if it's not the free agent destination that Miami or L.A. is, that somewhere there is a player that wants to be the next guy in that line that knows this is a special place to play. And the other element that I've talked about with players, you know, different players around the league is, Nobody ever seems to want to come to Boston, but nobody ever wants to leave once they get here. The perfect example I always use, and I talk to Brian Scalabrini because he played with him, I said, because we had this debate about it. Players don't want to come here. I said, all right, I'm going to give you a player you played with, and this is a player I guarantee you doesn't like Boston if you say it to him. But if he played here, he would love it, and he would be beloved. I said, Joe Kim Noah. She knew you were going to say and, that name. And he goes, that's right. And he thought, he's like, yeah, he doesn't like Boston. Yeah, because they come here, and the floor is cold because the Bruins play, and they, you know, come out here and they come here in the middle of the winter. But if Joe Kim Noah played here, and he was hanging out at coffee houses in Cambridge, and, are you kidding me? He'd be the perfect fit. For, but that, that, to me, is an example. And, you know, Kevin Garnett, to me, this is forgotten history now, but in 2007, People are saying, why would Kevin Garnett want to go to Boston? And I was the lone, you know, I was all alone in May of 2007. Everybody was making fun of me when I was saying that this is like a dream. Kevin Garnett in Boston is the perfect match. And people thought I was insane. But this is what I'm talking about. That start, put a player here and then think about how he would be a fit in the city. And Noah is the example I use. Like, to me, that's the best example of a guy that probably if you asked him, he'd be like, Boston, I wouldn't necessarily want to play in Boston. But if he were here... My gosh, he'd be he'd be beloved, and he would love it. I mean, I, I've always I've been saying that months on end as well. I mean, there's many things that I said, like you said. I mean, the Celtics have may have quote never signed a major free agent in their history, and that's as much really has to do with the fact they really haven't had the cap space to do so, and it also has to do with the fact that free agency in the NBA is a lot different than free agency in baseball and football, where free it's not really the main focal point in terms of building a team. But also, like you said, I mean, once players get here, they don't really want to leave. The Celtics may have never really signed a true major free agent, but they never really lost anyone outside of Ray Allen at the end of his career throughout their entire history. One thing that 
I have been talking about on this show recently, and I mean, I've, I've really just sort of alluded to it, and I've talked about how possibly it's been pushed to pasture. And I know it's a very controversial subject, but do you think that there's anything left to the fact of obviously, uh, you know, African American players in Boston, or do you think that that era of how revered Pierce, Allen, Garnett, and Doc Rivers were really seemed to, you know, brush any of that aside? I think without minimizing it or the history of it. I have never really heard anybody with, you know, with one, you know, maybe one exception here and there. I've never really heard anybody under the age of 45, under the age of 50, use that as a real, you know, as a, as a talking point or an issue. You know, I know there are players that, that have loved playing here. And uh, as I said, I can't really think of the players that really, that really didn't, but I, try to be respectful of the issue. I just, sometimes I think people think it's not about black and white to me. It's about age. You know, it's about old and young and it takes a while for things to die out. And I think, you know, remember when that whole Kevin Garnett thing happened in 2007, Michael Wilbon was one of the first people he went there. And I, to me, it just seemed like a Betamax, you know, it seemed like something coming from another, from another era. And, you know, we're older than we're all older than we think we are. And that's why I use that 2009 example of the gauge of history, that you have to, you know, the older we get, the longer your scope of history is and the things you remember. I just think you have to remember the, what we're talking about. If we're talking about 22-year-old players, I think that is, to them, things in 2003 are ancient history, let alone things from 1975. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I was sort of with you as well. And, and obviously, too, the only person who really obviously brought it up on the show I have a ton of respect for is David Aldridge. And when I was just sort of putting two to go together, and obviously, as you said, these players are only, you know, 21 to 25 years old. They are, of course, being advised possibly by their agents or maybe family members who may be 40 to 45 and may have certain, uh, you know, vantage points of the city of Boston itself. But I think, you know, that really isn't an issue. There was actually a, a clip on Comcast Sportsnet that I, you know, did play on the show that it's a little, you know, uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm, we'll just have to see where it stands. I agree with you. I don't think Boston is destination number one, but I don't think it's really also fair in the same way that people sort of paint this picture that it's a, a basketball Siberia, if you will. Oh, no, it's, it's not, you know, if, if you wanted to, to oversimplify and you break into three tiers, it's in the middle tier. I think among free agents and whatever, and maybe even up, you know, in the in the higher end of that. And I think the the new big three era is critical in that in the history of the franchise, in that it brought the Celtics back and it reminded everyone of what it's like to win here and winning here in the modern era and winning here with current, you know, with with current iconic players. I think was is going to be critical. And you know, I'm I'm totally making this up. On the one hand, on the other hand. When you say long-time voice of the Celtics, which is another way of saying old, you have sort of institutional memory and you have something of a hunch for these things. I really believe that if this happens here again and there is a next big group, I think that they're going to at some point, you're going to remember this conversation because somebody is going to cite you know, the new big three era and those great series with Miami and the two finals against the Lakers and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce as a reason that they wanted to play here. Great way to get you out of here on that, Sean Grandy. Let's just let's see. Just said it. Long time radio play by voice for the Boston Celtics now at 98.5. The sports sub. You can follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Granny P by P. Sean, thanks so much for stopping by Celtics Beat. You got it, man. All right. I know this has been a topic brought up by some of our recent guests, and it was my turn to actually bring it up myself. 
I've touched upon it quite a bit recently because unfortunately, fairly or unfairly, it is still a relevant topic, especially when it is brought up by someone as esteemed as David Aldridge of TNT, whom we had on this show a few weeks ago. And as I've stated a few times in the past month, We'd all like to think, as Sean said, that it's very 1975 to discuss it, or even 1995 for that matter. Something recaptured my attention these past few weeks, and for a while I was going to let it slide, but I brought it up with Sean just a few moments ago, and while we no longer consider it an issue, and it should certainly be less of an issue than what it was in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, or let alone the 1800s or whatever, but when it was very concrete then, It still lingers, and even in the slightest things in the world can alter after one individual into making different decisions, which could change the landscape of everything. But here's what is very unfortunate, and it's funny. We were on the discussion of DeMarcus Cousins with Sean Grandy, as well as earlier in the show, I kind of reminisce about the reporter who just because Cousins had issues with coaches earlier in his career made a a guarantee in a tweet, and actually Cousins kind of called him out on it. Uh, regarding that he'd be arrested within five years. That was never the case. It was pretty unfortunate. Of course, he has, and I think this is very unfair, that there's these sweeping generalizations we have of NBA players. And listen, I know we as Americans, that's what we do. We make sweeping generalizations about everything. But they are brutal and are being abused by passive observers, in my opinion, of the NBA and they generally derive from, I mean, for lack of a better word, uninformed outlets of the media. So if you really don't get where I'm going at here, take a listen to this clip as some of the more distinguished and accomplished members of the sports media here in Boston discuss players wanting to play for the Boston Celtics back on Comcast Sportsnet New England a few weeks ago. Dan, you think Brad Stevens is a legit draw for players across the NBA? I wish he were, but I do not. In a perfect world, the answer would be yes. Excellent answer. This isn't what these guys care about. They care about, you know, the weather, the posses, the clubs that are open until 4 in the morning. None of the stuff of which we have. And a coach who's going to make you play hard for 82, that's probably not a, a, a lure either. It's not enticing, unfortunately. If you had more players, old school kind of players, in a perfect world, it'd be great. But I don't think it helps. Huh. I mean... You've got to be kidding me with that, right? I mean, really. And I'm not here to be the popular thing and play the role of MSNBC and just sort of drum up this nonsense, which is what they do, because that's definitely not what I like to do. But, I mean, with this is just that what we just heard is ridiculous. And it's very popular to start picking on media talents, particularly with the respect that I have for those people in that clip, be it Michael Felger or Dan Shaughnessy, who have contributed to works I have done. And even Shaughnessy himself has been a guest on the show. And I'm a big fan. He's a Newton guy who was just like me. But, I mean, I, I with that, I really do not know where to begin, as I can't imagine anybody else would. To say that this was in unfortunate to say the least would be an understatement of biblical proportions and it's just disappointing that there are those out there that still broadly brush all NBA players with the Latrell Sprewell comparisons I mean it's obviously morally wrong but more importantly it's just not true and of course it's flagrantly hypocritical just brutal brutal how hypocritical that is and Sally it is common of a lot of folk in and around the Boston area who may be a bit and ignorant, to say the least, without them knowing it, of course, because that's what ignorant is, who, yes, broadly paint a brush over groups of people and identify their lifestyle as bad, yet certain others who may be doing basically the same things, just with a few different tweaks, I mean, that's completely okay. If you sort of get what I'm going at here, like, you know, how dare those NBA players 
Every single one of those NBA players have some evenings out at a nightclub with their quote-unquote posses, if you will. But all those wonderful, awesome, happy-go-lucky baseball and hockey players that we love here in the hub, we just absolutely adore when they play a game hungover after hitting up whatever run-of-the-mill Irish pub we have here in Boston where they spent the night slamming down Sam Adams. I mean, yeah, that's fair, right? That makes total sense. When those NBA players hang out at the live down there in South Beach listening to hip-hop music or whatever, oh, that's, oh, no, 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 no. They don't care about winning. Typical NBA athlete. But those hockey guys from Town that hit up Ned Devines and Fannie Hall, or they're just, they're one of us. We love that. So, yeah, I mean, that's the same thing. That makes no sense whatsoever. That's absolutely ridiculous. So can we please stop? With that, and we can also stop assuming that every NBA player is Latrell Sprewell or Marvin Bad News Barnes for you old timers who listen to this show, which I know you do. Can we just stop this? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm fairly confident the off the court infractions are identical with that of the NHL or MLB. Identical. Let alone they probably are not even in the same stratosphere with the NFL who have players with off-the-court issues time and time again. I mean, it seems like every three or four years they have guys sitting on murder trials, whether they are convicted or not. But yeah, those guys are wearing helmets. We don't have to look at them, so all's is good. I mean, that is just, it's a joke, really. And I mean, back to the premise of this here anyways, talking about how Brad Stevens being a pitch. Sadly, this was about Stevens, and we got into this discussion, so... That also shows how Boston-centric we are, too. You definitely listen to this, sort of listen to it again. Dan, you think Brad Stevens is a legit draw for players across the NBA? I wish he were, but I do not. In a perfect world, the Heck answer yeah. would be yes. Excellent answer. Yes, I mean, right. Like, in, in, in a perfect world, every player wants to come play for us winners, the city of champions, Boston, Massachusetts. If you don't come play for the Celtics, if you don't come play for the city of Boston, you just aren't a winner. Hey, I know I love for that to be the case, but once again, unfair NBA label. But back to the discussion here, and just back to how they are, you know, wrong. Quite frankly, these players have in the NBA have proven time and time again they're more than willing to be in a situation where they want to win. Just like Wick Grosbeck said on this show last month regarding LeBron James when we were discussing free agency and players deciding where they want to go. I mean, where has LeBron James gone via free agency the last time she's hit the market? He went to Miami because that was the best possible team he could play on. Forget about this night knife and weather nonsense. He went there because he could play with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade in the prime of their careers along with his. Then he went back to Cleveland, not because he went back home and to bring the first championship back to Northeast Ohio since 1960-whatever. That's just nonsense. He just wasn't going to do it unless he was in the situation that he was in. He went back to Cleveland because that was the what he thought was the best chance for him to win. This little Cleveland stuff is just not, you know, just fairy tale stuff to make it sound everything. Other free agents, same thing. When the money is identical, generally speaking, the best situation for that player, for them to succeed as an individual, and of course, so they can feature their talents and live happily and being a part of a winning organization and playing in relevant NBA games, not just in the spring, but during those dreaded winter months as well, when we know bad NBA basketball in January and February is excruciating. It is a 
appalling how painful it is to watch. So you know what it must be like for the players to actually play in it. So playing for a team that is featured on TNT on Thursday nights, nationally televised, playing games that matter, that truly count in the standings and impact the long-term landscape of the NBA, that's the premium. The other stuff like nightclubs and taxes and all this BS that some people, we won't name names because I, I like those people, but some people say are the definitive reasons as to why player X and player Y go here and there. Those are minuscule reasons as to why players play where they do minuscule. I know it's easy to think that way because, hey, a lot of people, when they decide where they want to work, people usually do factor in taxes, weather, nightlife, women, our own friends. That's We, we know we do that. But with the NBA players, yes. I mean, is that stuff a factor? Of course it is to an extent, but it's not make or break as to what many want you to believe. It's a garbage fallacy of these NBA guys just care about the trivial enjoyments of life. We've seen historically and recently guys like David West, Paul Millsap, two guys who've made impacts on their franchises in free agency, recently choose teams they thought were the best fits for them and teams they believe would make a leap and challenge for championships. I mean, Atlanta, Indianapolis are these like world-class cities that are just, you know, amazing or whatever. And they went there because they thought they were on a playing for good teams, up-and-coming teams. And that's why the Celtics are in such a good spot for themselves because they created such a good situation that more and more players can see. And yes, Brad Stevens will be a factor. I disagree with that clip that we heard earlier from Comcast Sportsnet New England. To some, the legacy of the organization, the Celtics brand, how the fans have treated the most recent great Celtics team and its players. As Sean Grandy brought up in our interview, that is a factor too. Trust me, it is. We know, so just from listening to Sean, where, where I agree with Sean 100%, and it's similar to what David Aldridge of TNT said on this show recently too, I do believe Boston is in that next tier. They aren't Miami or Los Angeles, or actually you should even throw Phoenix in there as well. But Miami and L.A. aren't in the mix for all the players you pursue or the Celtics pursue. And also, as stated, the Celtics may have a better situation going forward as a team, as a franchise, as an organization that may trump everything that those cities have to offer because they may be perceived as great cities to live in. And I say perceived because, I mean, while we know L.A. may be the crown jewel of this country, sadly, you know, with you know fast food and burger joints at every corner. Uh, wow, just amazing what a life it is. But I say perceive because, I mean, honestly, outside of the warm weather during the winter months, Miami sucks. I mean, it sucks. Since, you know, we're in the business of playing the game of sweeping generalizations on this show. And God, are the people freaking rude and dumb down there. Except Eric Reed, of course, and others. But, yeah, I mean, brutal. And, oh, yeah, most importantly, the dreaded bandwagon fans. The ultimate sin of a sports fan. One of life's ultimate sins. The 11th commandment that Moses ran out of room on those tablets. Thou shall never leave a deciding playoff game early that's within one to two possessions in the final 30 seconds. Awful. Had to get that cheap shot in there, huh? But back to basketball. Totally agree with Sean about where Boston is in the landscape. This is not a gulag. There are far worse places to play basketball and live their lives. Far, far worse cities to live in. The people that do complain about Boston who live, who live here, which is a great town, by the way. I mean, come on. There's plenty to offer. The people that do, very miserable, fatalistic individuals that may need to get their heads checked. Sorry. And stuff to get their lives back on track. And I just love 
what Sean was saying about all the avenues the organizations will pursue. I mean, he knows it. He's on the inside. He's the voice of the organization, essentially. He's telling you flat out the team will pursue about every big name, every avenue, every possible way to improve the roster. He knows it. I know it. You know it. None of this is fantasy. It is reality. And we talked about a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who would be a tremendous fit. Tremendous. Anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is a fool, a, compl- a complete fool. He would be incredible here. And if you're talking about personas, which Sean Granny just did with Kevin Garnett and how his demeanor just fit Boston to a T and was so well appreciated by the fans, I think the same goes for Cousins. I really do. Yes, he's a hothead, but East Coast fans, especially those Northeast here up in the Northeast corridor, they generally like that. I mean, will there be the costly technicals? Of course, but it's the same way sort of New Yorkers and Yankee fans Loved Paul O'Neill or Gary Sheffield or David Wells getting ejected and trashing the dugouts. Uh, or even Sox fans with David Ortiz, with who's more than liable with his outbursts that many deem selfish. I could see the same thing with Cousins. I know even as an outsider, I see I'd much rather have a guy who has those kind of emotions, even if they are on his sleeves as they are with DeMarcus, than to have the guy who that just goes through the motions which is seemingly what some members of the Boston media seem to paint the average NBA players doing. You know, can't wait to get to the club after the game with their posse. So, yeah, hopefully, too, for the Celtics' sake and their recruiting pitch, none of this crap, if you will, leaks out of in any perceptions of this city and mindsets certain individuals may have over certain groups of people are put to pasture once and for all, and we like to think that they have been, but, jeez, every once in a while, stuff like that that we just played earlier comes out. Uh, back in a few with Around the NBA in Five. Hi, this is Jeff Kane, host of Patriots Beat Podcast, the number one podcast on the web covering your Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Like all of Sealance Radio's great podcasts, it is available for download on sealanceradio.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you for your continued listenership of Sealance Radio's programming. To find out how you can continue to support CLNS, log on to www.patreon.com slash clnsradio. That's patreon.com. Slash CLNS Radio. And now, back to Celtics Beat. Okay, let's get into Around the NBA in 5, being brought to you this week by one of my go-to sources for personal health and, for my money, the best and safest supplements out there, Dr. Ron's The Additive Free Company. Dr. Ron's supplements contain no magnesium stearate or other flowing agents, binders, lubricants, coatings, fillers, GMOs, or other added ingredients of any kinds. That's Dr. Ron's at www.drrons.com. Steph Curry, NBA MVP, well-deserved guy, could not stay on the court early in his career. Great piece that ran about a week ago, uh, actually right when he won MVP uh, back on Monday on ESPN or ESPN.com about issues he had earlier in his career. Should serve as great notice for some very impatient fans with young players. Look at Curry with other, you know, the ankle injuries that he had. He couldn't stay on the court. It's like we've totally forgot about that. And now one of the best players in the league, and certainly one of the most, I think, the most exciting player in the league. I, I, and maybe even the most exciting NBA players, dare we say it, since Michael Jordan. Even more so than LeBron. Exciting. I, I LeBron is more mesmerizing to me. LeBron is, just because you just marvel at his athletic and physical gifts the same way you did so sort of with Shaq. Although LeBron has incredible skills, but Steph Curry, for my my goodness, has just sort of skills if you want to get into the slang there. I'm biased to hopefully it continues with Golden State and they can make a run because that team being exposed to the rest of America, particularly Steph Curry himself, would really open up this league and the sport to so many 
Steph is that captivating, and he really is that fun to watch. Another player, another award. This has sort of been award weeks these past two weeks. Free agent to be, restricted free agent to be, more accurately, of the Chicago Bulls, Jimmy Butler. Just named most improved player later in this past week. Definitely took a huge leap this year. Established himself as one of the game's best all-around wing players. Developed nicely under Tibbs. People criticize Tibbs. He always played the veterans, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy Butler earned his playing time under Tom Thibodeau. There's no doubt about it. And he went to him a lot. There were a lot of people earlier in Butler's career that used to complain that he played because Butler established himself as a defensive player. He earned his playing time. And speaking of Tibbs, by the way, as bizarre as it is, he may be on the hot seat, but not so sure now. Should be interesting, especially if he can get the Bulls to the finals, which is more than a possibility with the issues they've been giving Cleveland with their size. That love injury, huh? I mean, just kill the Cavs. So the Cleveland curse, unbelievable. Their fans must be lighting their hairs on fire. But yeah, it would be something, too, if Chicago or even Washington got to the finals, played the Clippers, Doc versus Thibodeau, or maybe even Doc versus Paul Pierce. That'd be pretty intriguing. But yeah. Back to Jimmy Butler, most definitely deserved. Here's a guy who has improved every year. We've been talking about guys like DeMarcus Cousins improving every single year. Jimmy Butler has made strides in his game all around since he came in the league, picked as one of the final picks in the first round of the draft. Came in as a defensive guy, and now he's an elite all-around wing and shoot can get to the basket, very athletic, can score, and we definitely know about his, he can D up the LeBron stopper, or LeBron slower downer, I would say, is a little more accurate. He's a great, great player, in line for a big payday, which we all assume will be with the Bulls, but God, you never know with Jerry Reinsdorf, huh? I mean, here's a guy who blew up the 1997 Chicago White Sox when they were a few games out of first place. Blew up the Bulls' dynasty. For, I mean, that's the ultimate sin. Seemingly a lock to stay there, but hey, never count anything out with Jerry Reinsdorf. Love him here in Boston, and we all knew that was a possibility as Celtics could have selected him instead of Juwan Johnson, I believe, back in 2011. But definitely, certainly something to keep an eye on now as the Bulls are trying to battle their way through the playoffs and into the NBA Finals with Butler being a huge part of their success. And this summer, too, let the fantasizing commence as it has all show. <laughs> it has really all show. But the fantasizing must continue throughout the week because until next time... That's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde209, Ostravex, and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. You communicate with there. We'd love to hear from you. Love to thank our guest, Sean Grandy, voice of the Boston Celtics for 98.5 FM, the Sports Hub, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, DraftKings, and Dr. Rons for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday with another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.